This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. This podcast often contains controversial or mature topics. You have been warned. Welcome back to Problems with Moving Up on a Ridge. So not only did we lose a lot of our uh, precious materials, such as expensive solar boat shoes, we... uh, our space kitty is not adapting well to the move. Uh, kitties don't like changes in scenery. We've moved all of her toys around. Her graphite scratching post, for example, is in and, a different spot. And the wind makes different noises up here. It goes, ooh, instead of ooh. <laughs> the wind, by the way, is a spooky ghost. <laughs> <laughs> So if anyone has any tips or uh, tricks to getting space kitties to better adapt to their new surroundings, please leave Even though a message at this web zone. Her surroundings haven't changed. She's still in the ship. Yeah, she She's is. She's not an outdoor space kitty. Yes, she is. She's... Okay. According to the canon that we've established oh, okay. over the past couple of episodes. <laughs> so I, I think there's a, a some sort of scaly beast up here that she keeps scaring away. Mm-hmm. But we do need that for food, so maybe we should teach her how to hunt instead of just scaring it away. And she hasn't brought us any trophies, which is what we need since we're running low on food stores now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone has any tips on getting a space kitty to hunt for you, also leave a comment at this web zone. <laughs> okay. We are resuming the Rebirth Saga today. Going to do three chapters as usual. Uh, no recap, but quick recap. They, uh, they're in the real world now, base reality, and they're just about to... They just went into the city, and maybe we'll meet people. Real people. Real people. No, robot. AI people. Are you ever not tired? I'm... No. No. Chapter 16. I had to spend 18 hours a day fixing her ship. <laughs> Chapter 16. The Engineer. The Engineer. Oh, right. Uh, sorry. This is Rebirth Saga on the short sci-fi read it by Binary Algorithm. This isn't a, 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 pro, a, a prequel to, uh, co- no, to Aliens, is no, it? No, no, it's not. We're not going down that route. I'm done talking about that damn movie. <laughs> the physical city, perhaps, is a tribute to human engineering. The only reason to have it is to say, look, humans built this city. But when can you conjure it out of thin air? But when you can conjure it out of thin air, that becomes far less impressive of an accomplishment. I thought before that we were losing everything to VR, but I see now that there isn't really anything left to lose. It's not the buildings and the streets that make the city; it's the people that live there. I mean, they don't live there anymore. That's essentially true. After several minutes, Arthur saw something he hadn't seen before. He saw someone on the street walking. Stop the car. The vehicle instantly came to a halt, and Arthur practically jumped out of it. Hey! He shouted at the man. The man turned around, startled. Um, yes? Can I help you? He wore a suit and a fedora, and held a briefcase in one hand. He had been approaching the entrance to a large building. Welcome to the city, a place where people don't go, but people must inhabit. But there, uh, oh, dude, he's wearing a suit and a fedora. 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 Maybe this is like in Star Trek when they went to the alien planet and everyone was in suits and fedoras. Everyone was a 1940s gangster. Right. (laughs) 
You are the first person I've seen in town. In fact, you're the first person I've seen outside of virtual reality. I'm sorry for bothering you since you look like you were headed somewhere, but I just wanted to talk to a real live person. The man checked his watch. Well, I have a few minutes to spare before work. I see you're not with the company, so what's on your mind then? You have a job? What company are you talking about? Whoa, calm down, man. (laughs) I work for the Sierra Nevada Corporation. We make beer. (laughs) I've been an aerospace engineer for over 60 years. I know what you're going to say, the man drone. Why are you working in this day and age when you don't need to? I do something that I love. I've done that for as long as I can remember. It gives me structure and purpose. There will always be something in space to explore and and a need to get there. The man grinned. I make my own schedule, and anything I can design can be launched there at no budget limitations. Now, that is something we didn't have back in the 30s. The 30s? (laughs) There was a twinkle in his eye. Sounds like an awesome job. Oh, it really isn't a job, nor work as I see it. It's completely voluntary. You called it work. I'm late for work. Yeah, well, I think he's on, you know, this is my job that I do because I want to, but I do treat it like a job. Like, he's serious in doing it. It's completely voluntary. I mean, we put in a lot of work and effort because we love it. Some of my coworkers I've known forever. It's more like a family. You have to have something to keep you going and support when you're feeling down. The AIs already know when a design will fail to launch, but we don't have them correct us. Half the fun is not knowing and figuring it out on your own. They also tend to focus on the purely functional aspects, but sometimes we just want to try a cool design. We even have an artist on staff. Each rocket has a unique paint job and theme. No two launches are exactly the same. He seemed genuinely excited, but then suddenly took a serious look and examined his watch. I have an evening meeting, and I don't want to be late. We're getting together to spec out a new propulsion system. It's all very exciting, but I am afraid I need to run. Here's my card, if you ever want to get in touch. He pulled out and handed Arthur a metallic card with a chip in it. Arthur stared at it with a confused look. I'm sure your companion AI over there can help you with it. Anyway, have a good day, sir. The man hurried off through a revolving glass door into the building. Rachel, who had exited the car already, came up up next to Arthur. It's just a data card. It has his contact details and an identifier in it. His name is Daniel Maxwell, with the more old-style pronunciation of Daniel. Daniel, I suppose? Daniel? Daniel? Daniel. 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 That's spelled weirdly. Or Dan-A-L. He does not. He does indeed have an extension, extensive background in aeronautics, rocketry, physics, astronomy, and space engineering. In your period, I believe he would have held the equivalent knowledge of an eighteen or so of eighteen or so doctorates. Wow. We don't use that kind of system anymore, but I thought familiar comparison might be helpful. He applied knowledge and experience over sixty-three years. His applied knowledge and experience over 63 years makes him a valuable source of creativity and historical perspective for the digital population in that field. That is not an inconsequential feat. He is, however, heavily augmented in order to reach that level of productivity, as are the others in his group. It's the only way for a regular person to stay relevant in the field, and even then it takes time and dedication to avoid falling behind. That's why he's so devoted to his work. Augments? Damn. More damn. More more damn moments in this story. Augments. Arthur hadn't given him much thought since Danielle looks perfectly normal to him. Indeed. Brain implants quickly <laughs> look up any archived information 
visual representation and notation of engineering designs increase neurotransmission rates so the brain can process information faster, enhanced math and co-engineering co and engineering co-processes ability capabilities for I need one of these augmentations. <laughs> Increased neurotransmission rates so the brain can process information faster, enhanced math, and engineering co-processing capabilities for his companion AI to crunch numbers and so on. He can work without sleep for any length of time, if necessary, although he generally limits it to 12 hours a day and synchronizes with the group later. I suppose it is a work-life balance thing. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Well, that phrase still exists. Most people know that uh, want most people that want to continue meaningful work or dialogue with the digital population have opted for that route, but it's not an absolute requirement. They are quite tolerant and respectful of their predecessor's slower temporal speed and emotional desire to participate in current affairs. After all, a good idea is a good idea, regardless of whose mind it comes from. So let's unpack this chapter. So basically, if you are like somebody who enjoys science, you can still do it in the real world. And it's useful, which is cool, which is a lot less... Uh, useful how? I mean... Well, she, she said a historical perspective. <laughs> yeah, so they're aware of the fact that they aren't really contributing much to scientific progress, but they do serve some purpose. And it, it, it is a win-win, even if it's a little trivial on one of the sides. Which is cool. I mean, I imagine if I lived in this VR world, I probably would do the same. Um, it's hard to imagine, though. But so we do. There are people. So in this university, do you think, or in this university, in this <laughs> universe, do you think they can augment me to be both uh, an award-winning scientist and a famous? And pop star slash actress slash artist and a famous drummer and for my upcoming drummer. band <laughs> with Zath. Who plays the ukulele? You don't even play the ukulele. You have now. Shh. I bought you that and lessons. You don't do anything Shh. anyway. You didn't um, buy me lessons. I paid for that shit. That's why I stopped paying for that shit. <laughs> uh, what else do we want to take away from these from this entry? Um, um, well, I think overall one of them the most. Um, damning and ominous parts of the story for me were, was that it felt like people couldn't explore outside of the confines of AI. Because why would you want to? You know, that's sort of a, yeah. an old um, sci-fi uh, archetype of a society that, that says, well, things are easier this way. Why would you do it a different way? And it doesn't even allow you the possibility of doing it a different way. But why was it so hard for Arthur to allow you to? Why was it so hard for Arthur to do that? Like it was so hard for him to just say, I'm going to go down to base reality. Like he had to fight Rachel. Rachel had to be reprogrammed and retooled. Yeah, uh, but they allowed that to happen overall. Yeah, but yeah, why was it such a struggle if this other guy's like, oh, I've been doing this for 65 years? Because he didn't, it, it, you know, it's the difference between um, buying into an Apple product and then putting all your stuff on the computer and then, you know, being in that stuck in that situation where all your stuff's on the computer and maybe you have to pay to get it off or something but a bunch and of not buying an Apple product and putting your stuff somewhere else. But a bunch of other people have done it. Maybe not a bunch, but enough to that. It's a common occurrence. Right. But it's not, I don't know, whatever. He woke up in the system. So I like how much we rag on Apple on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that will never go away. Yeah. Fuck Apple. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Apple. Sorry. Apple users. All right, moving on to the next chapter. 
in the uh, titled Ethos. Well, I am at least glad that the digital folks are not elitist. It's something we were concerned about in my time, whether AI would come to view humans as inferior. AI and digital humans are not quite the same. They are a vast variety of Venetian uh, vivacious... Vivacious Venetians vivisection? Yeah. They are a vast variety of mental constructs. However, recognizing the value of intelligent life is a shared belief among all, regardless of what form the mind is in. Diversity and perspective is also considered valuable. Augmented humans, unaugmented humans, digital humans, various types of AI, they all contribute something to un- unique to the global intelligence, regardless of their absolute processing speed or other attributes. You can thank Kaito Ishikawa for those ethical values. Arigato. Uh, who? Demo Ishikawa. Say I'm who? probably fucking that up. Who? Who? <laughs> it is only the father of the first true artificial superintelligence. We should Duh. all... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he wrote the three laws for humans. <laughs> we should all thank our lucky stars that if it, it wasn't the United States DARPA who stumbled upon the answer. DARPA is an abbrevi- is a abbreviation for something. Yeah. Um, no, no. They're, they're, if they had done it, then there would be zombies. Mm-hmm. I see. They were searching for military applications with a rather large budget, and many thought they would succeed first, or else poach technology from those who had succeeded. It may well have been a disaster, if not an extinction-level event, for they were mostly unconcerned with the ethics ethics of machines as long as they obeyed orders. However, the global concern over ensuring that the first superintelligence, which was also the last that humanity would create, was friendly to all humans— became overwhelming in the 30s. Are we talking 2030s or are we talking 1930s? I don't. I think we're talking 2030s. We might be 2130s, who knows. Okay, all right, sorry. Uh, I we 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 come in and out of this story enough times that we forget some of the previous sections a little mm-hmm. bit. I forget the era off the top of my head. Rachel continued, Kaido Ishikawa was one of the foremost experts on AI ethics from Japan and a brilliant engineer and roboticist. He focused not only on making sure that humanity would still be relevant to such a powerful machine, but also that its priorities could change, would change over time, reflect the needs of everyone what? because... No, I think you missed something. Did I? Oh, no, sorry. But no, also didn't. that its priorities would change over time, reflect the needs of everyone because he knew that the future and humanity's priorities would also be in flux. There's a typo there. But valuing all intelligence instead of using a static directive of utility or utility function, he provided it the flexibility to allow for non-optimal scenarios and certain material inefficiencies as long as there was some benefit to one or more intelligent entities. In other words, reasonable trade-offs. This happened to include valuing the mental and emotional well-being of humans, which underpins their ability for higher thinking and thus intellectual capability. It wasn't a perfect design, but it was close enough that the system became able to redefine its goals based on the individual and collective goals of humanity. The core values remain the same, but the implementation varies over time as the needs and desires of society change. So this is very much a technocrat. It is a uh, rule by technology um, that we, we already knew, but this is actually kind of laying out a very good brief synopsis of what a, a techno technocracy is. Yeah. Which presents so d- interesting questions. Like, shouldn't we just have some, some supercomputer that knows how to decide things, but is directed by humans instead of letting humans run everything? So, like, uh, 
the ability to create a system that changes and that also doesn't diverge is impossible right now. It's 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 a feat. I, I think that's a feat because that's like getting I the way I'm thinking about this would be like getting a computer mm-hmm. that rewrites all the code in it so that you can use it without your hands if you lose your hands or oh. re- rewrites all the code in it. You know, that's the way I'm thinking about this. So it adapts and I can't like if you were to do that with a computer, like get it to adapt to different scenarios like that. I could see it cra- causing itself to crash by allowing itself to rewrite its own code. Yeah. Like source code can't be rewritten. Um, interesting. So definitely high sci-fi there, but. Well, no, no, I'm not saying that it's impossible or anything. I'm just saying that that's a very interesting. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. I, I think the, the power of that thought is important to mention is all. Sure. No, definitely. And I'm glad you pointed it out. During the crisis in the 40s, a system of Ishikawa's design was given access to a Jap- Japan's premier com- supercomputing faculties, which had traditional quantum and in neural computing resources. Wow. During the crisis in the 40s, a system of Ishikawa's design was given access to J- Japan's premier... You just read that. I know. I'm reading it again because I read it so poorly. Oh, sorry. Giving ac- was given access to Japan's premier supercomputing faculties, which had traditional quantum and in particular neural, proce- neural computing resources. Neural networks had advanced to beyond human scale, tens of trillions of neurons and quadrillions of connections. The human brain had about 100 billion neurons and some hundreds of trillions of connections and an order of magnitude smaller and an order of magnitude smaller with the uh, system able to become smarter than any human and process more information it kicked off a self-evolution and took charge of the crisis today that has evolved into the system core but it is much larger than the original entity arthur considered that rather hefty information sorry i need a second here (laughs) okay so like arthur we also got to break that down uh well it's basically just you know they made a supercomputer that far yeah, surpassed. No, this is, he's just. I think he's just describing the scale of the supercomputer here. Yeah, yeah. Arthur considered that rather hefty information for a moment. So, are you saying that everything is the result of Ishikawa's original design? Basically, yes. It was important that humanity got it right for the first time. Otherwise, who knows where things would be now? Humanity could have been wiped out with a different choice. Uh, with a different choice of ethos. Right, and that's kind of what I mean by converging and diverging. It, mm-hmm. If I would call that, if the system changes itself to a point that it's unrecognizable or it damages itself or the humanity, then I would call that a diverging okay. uh, scenario. But I mean, I'm I'm sort of, whereas it, converging allows it to, sorry. Anyways, continue. Some countries had gotten scarily close to a functional superintelligence, including some attempts at mind uploading and massively parallel neural computing. The best guess is that Ishikawa's system beat them by only a few years. It is only because so many people were working on AI ethics that we ended up with a friendly AI instead of a neutral, or heaven forbid, a hostile one to humanity. Given the number of things that could have gone wrong, Arthur was suddenly thankful that things had turned out well enough for him to have been resurrected at all. Wow. Yeah, all right. We are really getting places with these chapters now, right now. Now I feel like a lot of my questions are answered overall. and Which, as usual, binary algorithm always comes around to do. 
Love that about his writing, man. So good. It anticipates your questions. Anyways, next chapter. Last chapter for today. 18, Freedom and Responsibility. It was nice not to be judged for for being a normal human. No augmentations. Other than his companion AI in his head. Yeah, that's true. It's sort of an augmentation, no? Mm Mm-hmm. I think so. After all, Arthur had been praised for his creations in VR. He would have been he would have as much time as he needed to study any subject, but he had the option to do it faster with implants. It was an intriguing possibility, but it might change his mind in unpredictable ways. What is memory and what is identity? Our brains change every day. We are arguably the same person though. How much can happen without losing that? Through redundancy, the brain could lose half of its mass and still retain the majority of the information and identity. He recalled reading about one man who had lost more than half of his brain mass through a, uh, through a number, though over a number of years, and no one was aware because he acted normally. Neuroplasticity could handle a gradual change even on that scale. He was sure that the implants were not that drastic of a change, but they would surely change how he processed information and perhaps how he recalled information. It was possible to know. If, it was impossible to know for sure how it would feel differently until he actually did it. There was no need to rush it. However, he was still exploring this new world. So he's considering augmentation. Yeah, who that's wouldn't? what they're saying. Who would? I I would heavily consider it. I would. I'll get my damn eyes fixed. <laughs> Fix my freaking tinnitus. It'll make me more smarterer. <laughs> you dumbass science bitches can't even make my friends more smarter. His thoughts trailed off, and then Rachel interrupted. There are several offices in this city like the one we just saw. It is very difficult for most people to stick with a voluntary job in based reality, as it requires the utmost discipline. Many that have initially tried it found the temptation of leisure and the flexibility of VR to be overwhelming. I can see that being a very serious problem. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Why work when you can work a bit and then just not for a week? And then play games the rest of the day. Play Overwatch VR. (laughs) Dude. Oh my gosh. (laughs) For others, it gives them a structure that they are familiar with or else feel that they need. Many more have virtual jobs, as it were, in VR. It gives people a sense of purpose. Everyone does what they feel they are best suited for, and it's all at their own discretion. Such is the freedom that is enjoyed today. What if if your best passion is, like, arranging flowers? Uh, you know... How do you do that in VR? Sure, and do it in assortments that people have not thought of. But then again, who couldn't just right. compute every possible comment? I don't know, yeah. man. Unless they're making new flowers, too. You never know. Why not just make whatever flower you want, I guess? Yeah, that too. I don't know. I think certain skill sets have to be lost when you move to an you got to lose like certain skill sets, well, like, okay, just outdated. <laughs> plumbing is not going to be a thing. For instance, janitorialism work. Janitorial work. Just Janitorialism is a new word shut up. crafted right here on Reagan Building a readers. house. The ability, the construction aspect of building a house. You lose that. Yeah, no, I know. I'm not arguing with you, dude. Working with wood. <laughs> Why would you work with wood? When you can work with anything. Waiting on you. Oh, I'm waiting on me. But I'm still I'm still thinking of all the skill sets you'd lose. How to varnish a table. <laughs> Just read the paragraph. <laughs> How does solder? I mean, this is interesting to me. Um, 
sometimes too many options can be difficult. Look at me. I have this incredible freedom to explore and do just about anything. I suppose there is no particular rush to do anything in particular. <laughs> that was clever writing. Since I also have the time to do it in. But I am but but I am still overwhelmed and confused about exactly what I should be doing. What exactly I should be doing. Leisure and work have always cycled into each other for me. It is all well and good to have fun. But I need to start setting some goals. I want to feel productive and pur- purposeful. The more I see, the more I see, the more difficult it is to imagine myself making any difference. How can I possibly compete with the digital nation, even if I get augmentations? What kinds of things still need to be done as real work? Why does he feel the need to to compete? To, I, I get the idea because of being he's human. purposeful and productive, but you can be purposeful and productive and still not compete and be better than everyone else. Well, competition is inherent in humanity. We all want to make something that's not necessarily better than everyone else, as in like, I don't Chris, like you, I'm putting you down. It's more, I just want to make something good and be noticed. I want something I make to stand out. Like arranging flowers? Sure. You are being too hard on yourself, Arthur. For one thing, you have this great history that you actually lived through. It gives you a unique perspective on that era, something that no historians in the digital population have. You could do anything related to that and be an expert on it, or at least a primary source that a lot of people would want to talk to. You also have a rare vision outside of VR and the digital world, a desire to shape the future of the physical one that few possess. That's possibly why the system course showed an interest in you, although... I'm not really sure. Could just be that you're old. (laughs) Arthur contemplated that. Ah, yes, the core. Rachel gave a startled look. No way, we're not going there. AIs such as myself are not allowed access anyway, physical or virtual. Physical or virtual. There is no telling how the system core could respond to such an intrusion. There is an exclusion zone around it, and we can't even get near it, much less see it, since most of it is underground. I don't know why you insist on pushing the boundaries. Did not the Corps' moderator tell me that I was given unrestricted access to any physical location? It is in mention no excluded or forbidden area. It surely knows that we are not a hostile intrusion, but merely curious. I think it is perfectly normal to want to know what the machine god looks like. I love a good mystery. So do I, but only when it doesn't get us into big trouble. We simply, we can't simply ask it for permission to enter. I don't see a problem with that. Rachel groaned and face palmed. <laughs> Could someone please draw uh, uh, Rachel? And I think she's still in her like sailor flight pilot uniform or something, face palming. Her pinup girl outfit. Yeah, and uh, old fogey, uh, what's his face? Um, Arthur, Arthur, like just like going, yeah, we can do it. And her just going, oh, I want that. All right. Uh, what to unpack here? Um, are we really moving straight from interacting with other people to going to the system core? I have to wonder if he's going to stall that a bit and talk to other people first. Because it well, seems he, like we just like got he's, here. He's been looking around for a while, it sounds like. He went to one city and met one dude. Yeah. I would have yeah. thought there's other people to meet, like unaugmented humans like him. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I, I hope we spend a little bit more time here before going straight to the machine god, as it is aptly called. Hey, let's read one more. Uh, no, my throat is killing me. 
But I want to see what the system core looks like. Well, you'll have to wait until next week <laughs> in the cycle. Unless you guys want to just read it, you can. You can't always do that. Um, it's all on the subreddit, short sci-fi stories. Oh, and there's only one left anyways. Let's see if there's only one left, Chris. Oh, and then we're caught up? Yeah, ah, and shit. it's short. Okay, okay. Let's just read it. Okay. Only because we love you guys. It's called Abyss. You'll love it. Are you ready? Just Chapter like my 19, name. Abyss. My request is simple. I would like to see the system core in person. The moderator stood motionless. One could not tell if it wore any sort of human expression in that swirling mass of energy. An augmented reality rendering, Arthur rem- remembered. Was it angry? Annoyed? Did it even have feelings as such? The silence continued for almost a full minute, which seemed like forever for a supercomputer or whatever it was to be considering a course of action. Rachel looked nervous as all hell. Arthur just stood there with arms folded, awaiting their answer to his question. So there's a physical terminal called the moderator that is talking to the system core right now that Mm. they're in front of? Yeah. What? He was was starting to get annoyed himself, but figured he'd better keep himself in check in this instance. You and your AI companion may proceed. You may enter. I have have uploaded the coordinates of a nearby accessible entry point. The moderator faded out. The moderator faded out as it usually did when it had nothing more to say. (laughs) The Sphinx has spoken. So saith. Rachel breathed a sigh of relief. Thank goodness that's over with. According to the data I was given, the entry is roughly 25 kilometers away. Use of a transport is prudent. As though listening in on the conversation, a small vehicle descended nearby. They entered the vehicle. Usually Rachel would respond to usually Rachel would respond to or comment on Arthur's Arthur's thought process, but this trip was full of unnerving silence. Arthur couldn't get any real thought process going. Was he starting to get nervous too? His logical mind didn't think that was there was much to be afraid of, but somewhere in his emotional state there was a dread of the unknown. They were about to walk into, perhaps more so because Uh, Dread of this unknown they were about to walk into. Okay. Perhaps more so because very few people had seen or asked to see it. Rachel had told them, in fact, that no AI was allowed in. She couldn't say for sure about more people, but had never heard of it happening in the last couple of decades. It's not like it was a machine that required regular human maintenance, or at least that was his best guess as to why no one ever entered it or ever needed to enter it. So like Rachel and Arthur are the first two people to actually physically visit the system core. That does sound, or at least to ask why. I mean, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to get, to give the, the reader a really good perspective of this entire situation. Sure. Is the only reason I can think of off the top of my head, but like, it's just strange that he's the most curious person ever. Like, it does feel a bit of like the yeah. chosen one syndrome, but again, how do we get around that? I, I don't know how you would write that, other than yeah. oh, other people said yes and they denied them, but you're special. Yeah, like you can't get around it. All right. I don't know. When they landed, Rachel started walking straight to the target position. Arthur followed. They arrived at a small building with a single door, which opened automatically as they approached it. Upon entering, he realized it as an elevator housing. Once they stepped onto. Onto it, the elevator began its descent. 
There were no buttons, markings, or floor numbers to indicate their depth, but he could feel the rapid acceleration. After several minutes, the carriage came to a stop slowly. The doors opened into a long hallway. Every visible inch was metal and circuitry with some kind of transparent coating. Arthur led the way with Rachel reluctantly following. After some time, the hallway opened up into a huge chamber with many rectangular columns tracing from the floor to the roof. At least Arthur assumed that because he couldn't easily identify where the top of the chamber was. So tall was the space. Suddenly, a large number of floating dark metallic spherical objects approached at speed. Arthur felt a sense of dread. Was it the security systems or something? Were they about to get a whole face full of access denied? Uh. Oh, all right. All right, so now we're all caught up with the, the rebirth saga as far as as uh, June of 2017 goes. And I was right. It did take us a couple months to get caught up. Oh, okay, so we're, we're at the system core, which happened a bit faster than I would have liked, but maybe this like book one, this whole saga is ending, and this is going to be kind of the penultimate moment. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know, but I've, I love it. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you, Binary Algorithm, for writing this and for letting us read it. Um, I hope everyone else is enjoying it too. I know some of you are, as you said in the comments. I will let you guys know when we uh, have more to read. I'm going to try and wait for a little bit of a backlog to get stored up so we don't just do this piecemeal. Uh, let us know what you think about the story. I really want to know, since we're at a breaking point, what everyone thinks about this, about the concepts that Binary Algorithm is putting forward, about human relevancy and artificial intelligence and just all this really heavy stuff. We talk about a lot, but I'd love to discuss it with and you And like the progression of technology... Mm-hmm. And uh, and human intelligence, not only that, like the purpose of humans overall is being put into question with this entire system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, Very interesting. That is, that's all the time we got for today's episode. My throat is on a fire. So I'm going to stop inhaling all this uh, rust wind and go back inside and eat something. And try and, and train uh, our space kitty to, to trap some... Some gronknoid lizards. Yeah, yeah, those gronknoid lizards, full of protein. Full of protein. Delicious, delicious protein. Goodbye, everybody.